If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Proverbs chapter 1. Uh, there's also, you can get the ministry outline right out there, the center doors at the ministry counter. We're going to start a new series called Stay on Course. Uh, going through, it's about a five-week series, not through, totally through the book of Proverbs. It's going to all, be all in it. Uh, the, the thought behind the title that I came up with is that we're supposed to be on course for God. But in many times, uh, we can have this different kind of shadow mission going on in our lives that is somewhat different than the mission that Christ has called us to, right? When I'm saying mission different, I'm saying not in the sense it's 180 degrees off, like here's your mission and you've turned your back on God and you're going this way. What I'm talking about is we're just a little bit off, maybe a couple degrees off. We're just not on course. We need to stay on course. And different because of our selfishness, because of our ambitions, because of many, many times of our own agendas, we do that. So like the challenge of the book of Proverbs is to get us on track and to get on the, and choose the way of wisdom, get on the track of wisdom is what we're supposed to do. I thought today I would talk about how many of you like to play golf? Anybody like to play golf? Hardly anybody plays golf. I, I uh, played golf many years ago. I'm not very good at golf, so I don't play it so much anymore. But when a golfer golfs, they love to take their golf clubs out, right? And you, you can't golf without golf clubs. And usually if you ask a golfer, they know the manufacturer of their golf clubs, don't they? A good golfer knows their clubs. They know how to use their clubs. They know what each club does, and they work with those clubs. A professional golfer will have clubs crafted specifically for them. They know how far they can hit with each club. They know which club to use when they're in a jam, like they're in the sand, they're in the tall grass. When they have to hit over water and make the ball stick, they know how to use their clubs and they work with their clubs. A follower of Jesus, a person of the Word of God, has to know the Bible. They have to know it. I want to present to you in the Old Testament, the book of Proverbs is a biblical book for wisdom. So what makes a person of the Word of God, a person of the Word of God, number one in your outline is this knows where to find the answers in the book of the Bible. They knows where to find the answers. Doesn't mean they have the answers, but they know where to find them. They, they know where to go. Like a golfer knows their set of clubs, and they have a manufacturer of their set of clubs. The Bible has a manufacturer, doesn't it? Uh, the scripture claims to be the revealed, the inspired, the infallible, and errant, authoritative word of God. Over 3,000 times in the Old Testament, we have the equivalent of, thus saith the Lord. The Bible claims to be a revelation of God to man. It was crafted by, with the heart and mind of God in mind. He crafted it. Revelation means a, it's a divine disclosure. It's an unveiling and uncovering. Making known that which was not known. And many times people look at Scripture and they look as it was mystical. It's not mystical. It's a revelation. And it's being revealed to you and I. The Bible claims to be inspired. It, it is God-breathed. And it's revealing the nature and character of God. Every time we open up this book, God is revealing his nature and character. Who he is and who he is not. He is breathed into it. Therefore, you have the word of God. The Bible claims to be infallible. That means whatever scripture says, it's going to come to pass. You can trust in all of its promises. The words in the Bible will never fail. You can trust them. You can follow them. It's going to happen is what it means. The Bible claims to be inerrant. That means from cover to cover, the scriptures are, are inerrant without error uh, in the original manuscripts. The Bible claims to be authoritative, that you can trust it, that you can follow it, that it has authority in our lives. That's the Bible. Our set of clubs, our books, it is revealed, it's inspired, it's infallible, it's inerrant, it's authoritative word of God. It has one message from Genesis to the book of Revelation. What that message is? Redemption. Yes, redemption through Jesus, but it's redemption. And it has three major points throughout the whole Bible. 
And here's the three major points. They're very easy to understand, very easy to remember. Someone's coming in the Old Testament. He came, he's coming again. That's really what the Bible's about. Someone's coming in the Old Testament. He came, he's coming again, right? And and the Scripture reveals to us about the coming of the Savior, that Jesus left heaven, the throne room of God, came down to this earth, took on the form of a human being, on the form of a man, and then he went to the cross, and God placed all your sins, my sins, the sins of the whole world, upon Jesus, and Jesus died in your place upon that cross. He was your substitute. He died for you. In dying, the Bible says, then he was buried and raised on the third day, and now we have to put our faith and trust in Jesus for life. And all who puts their faith and trust in Jesus for forgiveness of sins has life evermore. Amen? And it's all because you have forgiveness in Jesus, right? It's all because of Jesus, what he did for us. The pages of the Bible also talks about how to live for him. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, it says, All Scripture is God's breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is our set of clubs. This is our set of books to live by. Personally crafted by God, it's been given to you. God says, here it is. This is for you. Personally with, crafted by God with you in mind is what God is saying for you to have. And so many times we forget what we have in this book, don't we? We forget what God has given to us and, and what we have here. There are places around the world that they're not allowed to have this book. It's banned. And they would love to have this book. When they receive this, they realize what they have. They have the Word of God. This is God speaking to us. And many times we forget what we have. This is God's Word. When Jesus was on this earth, he quoted from much of the Old Testament, didn't he? And if God was here today, he'd be talking to us through the New Testament. He'd be talking through the Bible. He'd be speaking to us from this Word is what he'd be doing. This is God's Word. What you have in the Bible, you have a superlative, magnificent, God-breathed book, a masterpiece. There's no other book like it. A live, living word book. God's word given to you and I, that he gave to you and I to live by. But instead of 14 golf clubs that we have in this bag, you have 66 books, right, that God has given to us. 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. Just as each club in the golf bag is, is crafted to perform a, a personal shot and a round of golf, so every one of these 66 books that God has given to you is for a particular shot or circumstance in your circumstance in life uh, or your journey with Jesus. God says, I've given. Each one of these is important. Each book of the Bible plays a distinctive, definitive role in God's divine disclosure. And every book in the Bible is necessary. Every one of them. Every one of them. Each of the 66 books has a purpose. When you understand that purpose of each one of these books, you know why it's in the canon. You know why it's in the Bible. You know why God put it in here. All 66 books, it says, they're important for you to know. They're important for you to study and have. The Gospel of John, for example, gives us the purpose of the Gospel of John. In John chapter 20, verse 30 through 31, it says this, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. The Gospel of John was written so that you and I might come to know Jesus, right, and put our faith and trust in Jesus. In golf, people love to hit with the driver. By the way, the driver is the big club, right? People love to see how far they can hit. Jesus is the driver. Everybody loves to preach and teach. I mean, the book of John is the driver. Everybody loves to preach and teach in the book of John. They love this book. The emphasis of evangelism true throughout the Bible is what we see. The Bible speaks how, about how we need Jesus. 
And the Gospel of John tells us in John 3, 16, you probably know it, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. When you look at all the miracles that are done in Scripture and everything that is written, they're there to lead people to Christ, to lead you to Jesus. They're not there so we can just know history. They're there for a purpose. And the purpose that you might come to know who Jesus is and what he did and put your faith and trust in him. John and the other Gospels are there, as I said. They're there for a certain reason. So you can come to know Jesus and put your faith and trust in him and know all about him through the Gospels. So I also want to put in the book of Romans in there if you're going to study about salvation and stuff because where salvation through Christ is given in great detail is the doctrine of salvation is no greater place than it is in the book of Romans, the first part of it, to study that, to really understand salvation. And then you have the other books in the Bible. You have the epistles. The epistles are written so that you know how to walk with Jesus. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you're not to live for him or in the epistles. And all the principles, whether it be in the book of Romans or First and Second Corinthians or Ephesians are there. You can take the book of Ephesians, you can break it right in half. It's six chapters. The first three chapters talks about our wealth in Christ, that all that we have that now we've come to know Jesus Christ. It says in Ephesians 1.3, Praise be to the God, the Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Think about that. That's our wealth in Christ. Now that we put our faith and trust in Christ, all that we have in Jesus, our forgiveness of sins and our eternity, all that he's given to us. And you read the last three chapters of the book of Ephesians, it tells about how to walk with Jesus, how to live for him. So what you have in the book of Ephesians, the first part of the book, you have the wealth. The second part of the book, four, chapters 4, 5, and 6, is how to walk. The wealth and the walk in Ephesians. It tells us how to live. So the Gospels help you to know Christ, brings you to Christ, right? The epistles show you how to walk with him. Now that you know him, how to walk with him, how to live for Jesus. The book of Revelation is a time for celebration. You say, I want to know how it's all going to end. It tells us that if you know Jesus Christ, your Savior, you're going to be in heaven. Just as Christ was raised the dead, all who know Jesus Christ, their Savior, will be raised, raised also. And then you have the wisdom books. There are five wisdom books in the Bible, right? Job, Ecclesiastes, the Song of Solomon, Proverbs. In the New Testament, we have the book of James. We also have some uh, wisdom writings. Psalm 90 is a wisdom writing. You also have one in the New Testament and the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus and Matthew 5 through 7. The greatest sermon ever to be preached, if you wonder what that is, is preached by Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. The greatest sermon is right there. But the wisdom books are not to lead you to Jesus. If you need that, go to the Gospels. Go to John's Gospel and the other Gospels to learn about that. The wisdom books are not there to show you how to live closer to the Savior, how to walk with this Savior. If you need that, get in the book of the epistles, Ephesians and Romans and books like that. The wisdom books are not written to show you what is going to come. If you need that, go to the book of Revelation. The wisdom books are not going to tell you the origins of creation. If you need that, go to the book of Genesis. But if you're in a difficult circumstance, if you're going through a really hard time, if you need refinement, you need direction, you need wisdom, the wisdom books are crafted by God to give you that. That's what they are there for, to give us that. And so the purpose of the book of Proverbs is given to us in the very first six verses of Proverbs chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles there, I'd like to turn to that. There are five infinitives. They either start with the two or four, depending on your translation. And I want you to highlight those, those five infinitives. They're very important. I'm not going to explain them. They're kind of self-explanatory, but we're going to read them so you know what they are. So kind of highlight them. In my Bible, the NIV, it says four. 
So ready? Everybody has Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1 through 6 we're going to read. So the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Here's the first one, infinite. For attaining wisdom and discipline. Number two, for understanding words of, wis- of insight. Number three, for acquiring a discipline and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair. Number four, for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance. And number five, for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. So the book of Proverbs is to give you and I the purpose. I mean, the first six verses give us the purpose of the book of Proverbs. You understand why it's in the canon. You understand why it's in, in the Bible. A person of the Word of God in that first point in our outline understands the book of the Bible. And they know the where to go to find the answers. Doesn't mean they have the answers, but they know which book to go to to find the answers. And the book of Proverbs is God's biblical book for societal transformation. Help you and I know right from wrong. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that later on. A person of the word, number two, knows how to use the Bible with precision and power. The Bible has power, but we, know how, we need to know how to use it with precision, don't we? Let's read Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Highlight the ifs. In these first, these first four verses, there's three ifs, three conditions. Highlight the ifs. We're going to go through those in a moment. It says, my son... If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, and if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for a hidden treasure, there are three conditions that the Bible's given us to become a person of the Word of God. This is one of the ex- best explanations that we have to become a person of God. It's three ifs, like three conditions. And the first one, he says in verse 1, in Proverbs 2, my son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you. That means we embrace the word to yourself. You're embracing it. Uh, you don't res- resist it. You don't reject it, but you embrace it and you accept the word of God. You're accepting it for what it is right there. I'm going to accept it in my life. I'm not going to push it off, but accept it. It also says store up the, my commands within you. Storing up is the idea that the word of God in you, it's inside of you. You, you take it in. We have a lot of people in the Word, but the emphasis in the book of Proverbs here in chapter 2 is you store it within your own being, in your own heart and mind. That you just don't read it, but you're storing it up in your heart and your mind. It's here. It's always with you. It's what it's trying to get to. It's always with you because you stored it in your heart and your mind. Verse 2, turning your ears to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, that you give preference to it, that you're going to, uh, going to hear this over your own thoughts and your own thinking. You're going to hear this over other people's thoughts and what they're telling you. You're going to hear it on what society and our culture are saying. I'm going to give preference to what the Word of God says in my life. It's superior to my own thoughts and my thinking. Many times, people come into the Word of God and they have predetermined what they already believe it means. That they already have, this is what I believe. So they're going to make the Word of God kind of, kind of form into what they believe, support what they believe. Instead of coming with their hearts and minds open and say, no, God, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to allow the Word of God to determine what I believe. And you'd be surprised how many Christians do that when I talk to them. They've already got in their mind what they think it should say, what they want it to say, so this Word has got to fit into that instead of doing it the other way around. No, I'm going to allow the Word of God tell me who God is and tell me what we're supposed to believe, not the other way around. You understand what I'm saying? We've got to be open and accept it and embrace the Word of God for what it says. 
And sometimes we don't like the things we say. Man, this sounds kind of harsh the way God is. And sometimes we don't, we've got to allow it to say what it says and not try to manipulate it. Then it says applying your heart to understanding. The word applied means you make a commitment. I'm going to make a commitment. Yeah, I want to be this type of person. I want to understand the word of God. I want to be a person of the word of God. And then the word understanding Hebrew has the concept and meaning of what does the word of God mean as I'm studying this particular passage of scripture? What does it mean? So the first condition there is to prepare your heart. Before you even open, the, up, open up the Word of God, I'm going to study the Word of God. I, I want to become a person of the Word. You already made that commitment. I want to handle this passage correctly, and I want to know how to use it with precision and power, right? That's what we all want, right? I want to know how to use the Word of God with precision and power. To, to, it, I know it has power, but i got to know how to use it with precision because it doesn't help me if I don't know that. So the first thing you have to do is say, Lord, I'm going to accept what it says. I'm going to accept it. I'm not going to try to manipulate it. I'm not going to try to make it fit into what I think it should say. I'm going to accept it. I'm going to apply it to my own heart and my own life. And then I'm going to embrace its principles. Then I'm going to apply my heart to understanding what it means in the context which it was written, right? That's a big step right there that I want to do that. Notice the second if. And if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding. Both of these are figures of speech for, for prayer is what it's saying. You prepare your heart to accept the word, then you open up the, the word and you say, God, uh, you cry out and say, Lord, teach me this. I can't understand it on my own, but Holy Spirit, teach me what it's saying. And it says, if you what? If you ask for insight, Lord, give me insight to what this means. So I have a correct meaning of what this means. have a correct understanding of what it's saying here. You cry out loud for understanding. You pray for understanding. And then the word means there, what it means is application. That God, how do I apply it to my life? Help me to apply this correctly to my life. It does us no good for you and I to grow in knowledge. And boy, I really know the word of God. And I can quote the word of God if I never applied it to my life, right? That's the whole point of studying the word of God. It's just not to, to study it so I know it. It's to make application in my life. And by the way, when we're studying the word of God, we don't study for interpretation of what it means for today. Interpretation, I have to understand when it was written, what it meant back then. So I've got to do a little work. Because I'm, if I'm trying to interpret the Bible for today, I'm making wrong interpretation. I've got to understand what was going on when it was written. When the book of Proverbs, when Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs, when the New Testament, when Paul and all the writers are writing the New Testament, what was going on? I have to interpret it correctly so I can make correct application for today. Until I interpret correctly and get the correct interpretation, I can't make correct application, right? And that's what many people do. They want to make application by not understanding what the passage says and they get wrong application. Or they don't interpret it correctly and they get wrong application. So we got to make sure we're interpreting it correctly, understanding what the passage meant and the context it was in so we can make the appropriate application and apply it to our life. And that's what God wants, to apply it in our lives, to change our lives, just not to grow in knowledge, but to apply it to my life, that it might change me and transform me to be more like Jesus. So you're going to learn how to handle the Word of God, that you and I have got this perfectly manufactured book will meet your needs and give you wisdom for all circumstances, what the Bible says. That's what the Word of God does. It helps us through every circumstance we could be in. So I'm going to pull out this book of Proverbs. Why would I pull it out? Because I need some wisdom. I need some recovery. I need some kind of refinement. I need some guidance. I need some direction. And I'm going to prepare my heart. I'm going to call out to God. I'm going to pray. I'm going to, God, teach me what this means and teach me how to apply this to my life. That's what we want. I want to apply it to my life. I want it to transform me, make me more like Jesus. Amen? That's what we want. 
So notice the last if. And if you look for it, it's for silver, and search for it as for hidden treasure. The emphasis here is persistent study, that I'm going to search Scripture like I would a buried treasure. If someone said treasure is buried there, I'm going to start digging until I find the answer, until I understand it, until it becomes part of your life is what it's talking about. It becomes part of your heart and your mind, and you put it into practice. Then I'm not going to give up studying it until I make it part of myself. So wherever I go, the Word of God is with me. It becomes part of my heart and mind. It's part of my life. I put it into practice. I've applied it to my life. I've embraced its principles. And that's what it's talking about here. We make it a part of our lives. By the way, there's no condition for salvation, right? This is where you say no. There's no condition, right? There's no condition for salvation, right? It's by grace through, Jesus, through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? Right? Everyone agree to that. But if you want to be a person of Scripture, if you want to be a person of wisdom, there's given us kind of three conditions, three requirements here. And it, you're going to prepare your heart. You're going to go to God in prayer. And you're going to study the Word of God and apply it to your life. And it says and when you do that, if you meet those three conditions, then there's kind of five benefits that we see right after this that Solomon's writing down to his son and to us. And the first one is found in Proverbs chapter 2, verse 5. He says, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. That's the first benefit. You will know God. The more we read and study the Scriptures, the more we know God, right? The more we understand His nature and character. And that's what we need. We need to understand His nature and character. And that's what God is revealing to you, to an eye, throughout the Word of God, His nature and character. The more we study this, the more we know God. The more we know God, the more we trust Him. The more we trust him, the more we obey him. You're not going to obey someone if you don't trust him, right? So we have to get to know him. We have to get to know him before we trust him, and then we trust him, we obey him. So it all goes back to that. When you and I sin, it's because we don't trust him. I don't trust you, God. I don't think you're going to do what I want you to do for me, so I've got to make it happen my own way. i got to do it my own way. i got to have this because I don't trust you're going to provide for my needs, so I have need this and I need that. So we do many things because we're not trusting him. So the more I know him, the more I trust him, the more I obey him. It all goes in hand. That's why we need the Word of God. We need to be in it and study it and know it so we can trust him, so we can obey him. That's what he wants for us. The second benefit, so you know what is right, the Bible says. Look at verse 9, uh, Proverbs 2. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair, every good path. Talk about something that's necessary for today to be able to know what is right in life, what is good in life, and every good path. path. To understand and be able to know right from wrong. That's what we need, right? There's so many things that go in that gray area today. And God says, no, there's a difference. There's right and wrong. And we need to know that. And everything that the, our society and culture is throwing at us, and we're like, is this right or is this wrong? Be able to know that the book of Proverbs and the wisdom books give us that. To understand right from wrong. See, when justice and righteousness are in the same phrase or in the same sentence, justice means it is the correction when righteousness is broken. And so what we have here, if you want to learn how to fix this stuff out there that's going on in the world, you want to know, I'm going to go into the book of Proverbs. Why am I going to go in the book of Proverbs? Because it's going to tell me what is right. And it's going to tell me when something is wrong, how to fix it. That's what it does. It tells me what is right. And if it's wrong, it's going to show me this is what you got to do to correct that. This is how you got to live. You got to flee it. Sometimes it's flee it or, or run from it. But it tells us how to fix it. It tells us what is right and tells us what is wrong. But not only what is wrong, this is what we got to do to fix it. So we go to the book of Proverbs to help us with those things in our lives because we need that 
Then it says in fair. It's going to be done fairly. God speaks to how to live and be fair to all people, right? That comes as a result of knowing God and knowing his goodness. There's a lot today talking about being fair and equity and all that kind of stuff, but that's always come from a perceived ideology today where people have perceived ideology, and they're coming from that from a bent perspective. The only way you and I can be really fair and just to all people is from knowing God and his goodness because God is fair and just, is he not? And that's what God wants for all of us to be that way, fair and just. And the only way we can have that is by knowing him and knowing of his goodness. And we too can be fair to all people. The third benefit, then you will be delivered from the way of evil. In verse 12, wisdom will save you from the waves of wicked men, from men whose words are perverse. We're not being delivered from evil today in America, right? We're being inundated with evil in America, a lot of it. Why? Because people aren't listening to the word of God. They're not listening to it. And the book of Proverbs, purpose and benefit was to lead people out of evil. To lead people out of evil, to stay away from evil, to go what is right and what is good. That's what the book of Proverbs does. To take you and I and move us toward what is right and what is good. And what is right and what is good is God, right? Because he's the only one that's good toward him. That's what it's supposed to do. Lead us toward God and away from the evil things and away from those that want to practice evil, but lead us toward goodness. Look at the fourth benefit. You will, you will be delivered from sexual harm is what it's talking about. Verse 16. It will save you also from the adulteress, from the wayward wife with their seductive words. Keep in mind, Proverbs was written with the man in mind. Solomon wrote this with the son in mind who was one day to be king. But really, it's written for all of us. It is deliverance for all of us from sexual harm. All of us have to have our eyes open and realize that we can come under sexual harm. We have to be aware of that. Every one of us has to be aware of that. The fifth benefit that you will walk in righteousness. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 20 through 22. It says, Thus you will walk in the ways of good men and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will live in the land and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the unfaithful will be torn from it. That's societal transformation, what it's talking about. The book of Proverbs, God's book out of the 66 books, was for, for societal transformation, to transform our society, transform you. It speaks to individuals. It speaks to families. It speaks to communities. It speaks to institutions. It speaks to our country. It speaks to every one of us, doesn't it? That's what the book of Proverbs is supposed to do. We need to pull out this book as believers in Jesus and learn how to use it with precision and power and then watch all the benefits accrue in our life as we use it appropriately. So what I would urge you, today use the right book for your transformation. If you don't know Jesus, if you're, I don't know Jesus, get in the Gospel of John, get in the other Gospels because there's nothing more important than your eternity, right? And come to understand these two things, who Jesus is, that he's the Son of God, that he's God, and what he did. That he died on the cross for your sins, was buried and raised on the third day, and that you have to respond to that. And all who put their faith and trust in Jesus have eternal life. And, and, and if you don't know Jesus yet, get into the Gospels to learn who he is and what he did for you. And if you have questions, I'd be glad to meet with you. I'd be glad to talk with you after the service. But that's the most important thing you can do, is understand who Jesus is and what he did for you. And the Gospels are going to give us that, right? To get in there, especially the Gospel of John. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, get in the New Testament epistles, begin to read, to learn how to walk with him and follow him and do what he wants us to do, right? If you want to know how, want to know how it's going to all end, 
Where do you go? The book of Revelation. If you want to know about the origins of creation, where do you go? The book of Genesis. But if you're going through a hard time, you're going through a difficult time this morning, you need some refinement. You say, I, I need some wisdom. I need some guidance. I need some direction. I need to understand right, right now, right from wrong. Then you need the book of Proverbs. You need to get in that book. Do it for your sake. Do it for your family's sake because we all need help today. And God's Word gives us that with precision and power. God's Word, there's great power in God's Word. There's great power in this Word, right? But we have to use it with precision. We have to go to the right books and find the right places to go to help us. Not just to open up and say, well, I'm just going to read here for today. I'm going through a hard time. I, know, I need to know where to go. I need to know this book. And not just open up and I'm just going to read any place. It doesn't really matter. It does matter. It matters what's going on in my life. So understand this. A person of the Word knows where to find the answers, and they use it with precision and power. And God uses it in our life in a mighty way to make a difference, to transform us into who He wants us to be. Amen? So let's be people of the Word. Let's be people of the Word. The book of Proverbs gives us that, right? So I encourage you as we're going through this series, it's a short series, only five weeks, to read the book of Proverbs. Not that long a book. You can read them. Read a few Proverbs a week. It's a great book to read. Let's go to Lord in prayer. Lord, we praise you and we thank you so much because, God, you are so good. Dear Lord, you love us so much that you didn't only save us through Jesus, given us the Holy Spirit, but, Lord, you gave us this book, this wonderful, amazing book that's your word, that you've handed down through the generations so that we can have this precious book that gives us wisdom, that gives us understanding, that helps us to know Jesus, helps us to know you, helps us know how to live, helps us to know what's coming, helps us to know the origins, helps us to know all the things that we need for this life here on this earth, for every circumstance. Lord, help us to use it wisely. Help us to use it with precision and power. Help us to know where to go find the answers, Lord. Give us the wisdom. Give us a hunger for your word, Lord, that we see that, Lord, we need it. That it wouldn't be the last resort that we go to, but, Lord, it would be the word that we'd be in every day. To allow it to guide us and lead us and transform our hearts and our minds. Let us not come with predetermination of what we already think it should say, but allow you to form that in our hearts and minds that you might transform it, that this is what we're to believe. This is what we're to understand because that's what the Word of God says. Make our hearts and minds moldable, Lord, to you. As the Holy Spirit works, Lord, anything that is not right, Lord, we yield it to you and ask, Lord, get rid of it. And Lord, only put in the things that are right and true of you, your nature and character. Help us to be more like Jesus. And it starts with us, Lord, being shaped and molded by the power of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God. Let me be students of the Word. Students of the Word, not only to learn it, not to be puffed up with knowledge, but to apply it to our lives. Help us to do that, Lord. None of us arrived. All of us need this. All of us need your help in our lives, Lord. And every day and every, you know, the little circumstances, the big circumstances, the hard times, the difficult times, the easy times, whatever they may be, we need you. And Lord, you guide us so many times through your Word. And help us to get in your Word and, and, and look for you to speak to us. Because every time we open this book, you're revealing yourself to us. You're telling us something about yourself. You're talking to us. Taking us places, Lord, and help us to learn things about you and about ourselves. And, and making decisions, Lord, that we might make the right decisions, good decisions, honoring you and glorifying you in all that we do. I pray for each person here, Lord, that they would yield their heart and mind to the Holy Spirit. And, Lord, they would be students of your word to read it, 
every day, every day. They realize that they need this book because it's God's word that God wants to speak to us each and every day. When we open to this book, he speaks. So Lord, we want to honor you and we honor you with our life. We yield our hearts and minds, Lord, no matter where we're at, no matter how broken we have become, no matter how sinful we become, today's a new day. And all we have to do is confess that we start a new day. Because what you do, Lord, you take broken vessels and you use them for their glory. That's what all of us are. None of us are perfect. We're all broken vessels. Saved by your grace and used by your might and your power and your strength. And so, Lord, we, we yield ourselves to you this morning, realizing we're broken vessels, ready to be used by you for your glory. We praise you and we thank you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.